You're listening to the E-Commerce Excellence Podcast with Joris Brion. Hey, this is Joris of the E-Commerce Excellence Podcast. And today I'm really excited to talk to Edward Wimmer. Edward is the co-founder and CEO of Road ID, And he founded the company 20 years ago, which is like light years ago in e-commerce terms. Uh, that was in 1999. And he did that t- together with his dad. And he grew the company into a company of 45 people. That's uh, pretty impressive. And I'm sure uh, we'll pick up a, a few very interesting ideas to, t- uh, to grow an e-commerce business today. Edward, welcome to the podcast. I'm really happy to have you here. Hey, yours. I, uh, it's great to be here. Thank you uh, for that introduction. Cool. Um, yeah, I'd love for you to tell uh, a little bit about your background. Where did you come from in your career um, and how, how did you get started with Road ID? Yeah, I'd be happy to do that. I love telling the uh, the founding story. So if you'll permit me a few minutes, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll get into that. Um, in terms of sure. background, uh, I grew up in a household where my dad was a, a lifelong entrepreneur, not uh, necessarily a successful one in terms of uh, in terms of financial or making a lot of money, but uh, in terms of loving uh, what he did for a living, uh, he was very successful. So I knew as you know from the time I was uh, five, even before I could spell the word entrepreneur, that I knew, uh, that I wanted to be one, because dad always came home super excited about. Uh, about what he was doing in life. And mm-hmm. so you flash forward, uh, and, you know, I was 21 years of age. I was a college senior, not really knowing what I was going to, to do with my professional life after I graduated school. Um, and uh, the other question I was asking myself is, what am I going to do with my athletic life? I was a, I was a soccer player, uh, but that uh, I wasn't talented enough to continue playing at a uh, post-collegiate level. So uh, I was trying to figure out how do I keep myself active uh, now that that is over. And it was at that point uh, that some friends of mine that were on the cross-country team said they were going to run a marathon. Uh, and I'm so glad that that moment happened because had it not been for that moment, Road ID wouldn't exist today. And uh, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you why. So mm-hmm. I decided to train for a marathon with them. Uh, during that marathon training, I realized that you, know, you would run these long runs on the weekend, 16, 18 miles at a time. Uh, on on the weekends, and because I was a good uh, son, I would make the obligatory calls home to the folks to let them know that I was still alive uh, mm-hmm. uh, as I was away at college. And during one of those calls, I was telling my dad about marathon training and the long runs on the weekends, and he just thought that was silly. And he's like, why would anybody do that to themselves? But uh, he had a greater concern that I might get hurt while I was out there. Like, what if you had an accident while you were uh, out training and running all these miles? How would I, as your father, know uh, that an accident happened. And uh, being 21 years of age and invincible at the time, I, I just dismissed, da- dismissed my dad's concern and went about marathon training. Well, it was literally that weekend that I was almost hit by a pickup truck. So I'm on a country road uh, watching this truck get closer and closer, going about 15 plus miles an hour because that was the, uh, that was the speed limit. And I realized that he doesn't see me. So at the last minute, uh, to avoid being hit, I jump off the road and I end up in a ditch on the side of the road. And from that ditch, I like to say that I had two very scary uh, realizations. The first being I could have been hit. I could have been uh, fighting for my life unconscious in a local hospital. And because I hadn't heeded my dad's warning of wearing an ID while out training, uh, nobody would know who I was, who to contact, how to access medical information or any of that. I could literally be fighting for my life and nobody would be by my side because the hospital would be uh, wouldn't have the information they needed in order to make the appropriate uh, communication. The second, and I like to say, 
way scarier realization that I had in that ditch is that for the first time in 21 years of life that I might actually have to admit that my dad was right about something. So <laughs> that, is that was uh, that was terrifying, but also eye-opening. And so it was that uh, that experience of nearly being hit by that pickup truck, coupled with my dad's concern for me training and not taking any ID with me, that uh, birthed the idea of wearable ID for athletes. So our core product is an ID that you put on your wrist, uh, around uh, on your shoes, or around your neck that communicates who you are, who to contact, and how to access medical information in an emergency. Uh, core audience, runners, cyclists, triathletes. Uh, we started the company in 1999, so yeah, uh, almost 20 years ago at this point, uh, makes us a, uh, an ancient uh, digital commerce or e-commerce uh, company. But we started with the dream that we would help just one person in, a, in an accident. So we said, you know, we can make this wearable ID, and if it can help just one person, then all the blood, sweat, and the tears, the effort, and the energy that we're pouring into uh, to starting a business, which I think many of your listeners can, uh, uh, can empathize with. It's like the, the grind of getting going, all of that would be worth it. The two jobs, the no money, the eating crappy food because we couldn't afford good food, all that would be worth it, just one person, if we could help. And I'm, uh, I'm really happy and humbled to report that today, it's every day, a customer is reaching out to us, at least one saying, thank God for my road ID. And they range in scope from the fairly simple accidents that, uh, you know, a person holds up their wrist because they don't want to talk because they're in pain to customers that uh, are reunited with their children at Disney, for example, because their kids are wearing the product, to uh, cyclists. Uh, that say that they are alive today because they got the right help at the right time uh, after being hit by a car to very sad, tragic stories where, you know, we had a mom post on our Facebook page that because her son was wearing ID when he got hit by a car that she got to make it to the hospital in enough time to hold her son's hand to tell him she loved him one last time. So that, um, you know, not not to take us to a a sad place, but that – in a nutshell, covers you know the uh, the genesis uh, of the company and uh, how we got started. And uh, we put up our first website because we we wanted an alternative way to take orders because at the time it was phone, mail, or fax machine. Like if, you, mm-hmm. if any of your yeah, listeners remember, remember yeah. fax machine, <laughs> like, yeah. So it was just going to be another way to take orders. Mm-hmm. Wow! Yeah, I, I I love that story. I mean. Uh, you're basically in the ditch and, and you, you, you're hit by the ID and, and, and you just get going. Uh, but on top of that, the whole fulfilling part of it, I mean, the whole, um, it, it must give a lot of satisfaction and, um, if, if you can be, well, contribute to saving so many lives and, and have an impact on, on so many people. Because at the end of the day, it, it is a small product, but it has a huge impact. And I, I, yeah, that, that's, that must be very rewarding. Yeah, it, it it definitely is. I mean, it's uh, if I'm being honest, like in those early years setting out to be an e-commerce owner, uh, business owner, entrepreneur, like the goal was to uh, to make a lot of money. Like we wanted to get rich. Mm-hmm. And then we heard our first story from a customer saying, you know, because of this ID, and I remember the story vividly, and I remember how we received it, uh, but because this, uh, this cr- high school cross-country runner was wearing an ID, his family was able to get to him and see him in the hospital uh, in a timely fashion. Everything ended up being fine. The, uh, the, uh, uh, the high school athlete recovered from his injuries, but because he was wearing the ID, his fam- he was reunited with his family uh, mm-hmm. much quicker than he would have otherwise been. 
And it was that point that my dad and I kind of looked at each other and said, wow, we're like, this goes beyond what we thought it was. And ever since then, it's never been about the bottom line. It's never been about making a lot of money. It's always been about making a difference, which I think that uh, looking at business through that lens has helped us tremendously. It's it certainly mm-hmm. changed the way we make decisions about things. Not mm-hmm. every decision has to be a profit-based decision and certainly should not be, especially when it pertains to taking care of your customers. But, uh, you know, it, it, we get to come to work every day, and my dad has since retired, but we get to come to work every day and, uh, and work on something that could potentially have a very positive impact on somebody's life tomorrow. So that's very rewarding and satisfying. Yeah, I can imagine that it um, really gets you up in the morning, and, and it makes probably also easier for hiring because you have a higher purpose and, and people um, are more willing to, uh, to work for a company with a higher purpose and, and is more willing to stay at that company as well. So there's a whole range of benefits, uh, well, practical benefits on top of it. Um, but I think probably the, the most uh, important part, of course, is, is, is the feeling that you get from it and, and the drive that you get from uh, doing something so uh, rewarding. Um, but so basically you, you invented a new product category, am I right? That's right. And so it, yeah. uh, and I often talk about that. It's, you know, it would have been a lot easier row to hoe if, uh, if we were launching an e-commerce business that had a, uh, w- was a new way of selling an existing product. You know, there was a mm-hmm. little bookseller, uh, called amazon.com that entered the, uh, the space and, uh, not too long before we did, uh, mm-hmm. that was just looking at selling books in a, in a different way. So we had the challenge of also creating a product category and trying to figure out the e-commerce landscape. Yeah, that's uh, that's not an easy thing because a lot of I, a lot of e-commerce entrepreneurs when they start out, they start with Google Ads, and that's the easy thing because you can basically tap into uh, very relevant uh, searches that have a, a high purchase intent. But yeah, if people don't know your product exists, they don't search for it. So um, yeah, what, in your opinion, what are the biggest challenges um, to inventing a new product category? I think it's, you know, demand generation or lead generation is always the most challenging thing. Like how do, you've got to tell, uh, you've got to show somebody that, that, uh, uh, that a need, that there's a need that they don't even realize that they have. So mm-hmm. in our particular instance, you know, we, we had a product that solved the problem, but we also had the challenge of communicating that there was a, uh, a need for it. Um, and that's, that's tough. So, uh, especially when you're broke. I mean, we started the, um, the company with two credit cards that each had a, uh, a $5,000 limit. So all we had was $10,000 of startup capital to start this. So uh, it was very challenging to get the, get, get the word out. So we, we started with little one-inch ads in the back of print publications uh, like Runner's World and Bicycling and Triathlete Magazine um, and even some pub- publications that no longer exist, but little tiny one-inch ad in their marketplace section in the back. And when you only have one inch by three and a half or, or three inches or so to tell a story about a, a product, you really have to rely on those very early adopters that just intrinsically get it. So mm-hmm. we were lucky that enough people got it. Um, and so the but the challenge has always been, and we'll all will continue to be until. Uh, we are as ubiquitous as a seatbelt. Will will be in communicating that there is a need for, you know, every person to wear ID because you never know when an accident or emergency uh, will strike. So I think the the biggest lesson that I've learned in creating a product product category 
is to just keep moving forward. Like you're going to take your, you're going to take some hits and some licks and you're going to do, you're going to test some things that don't work. But you, if you believe in what you're doing, if you believe that the product that you are bringing to, to market is so valuable that, uh, that you have to work really hard to sell it, then, then you won't give up and you just keep moving forward until you, you find something uh, that works. But we've tested every, every marketing channel uh, that, that there is in, in the last 20 years from, from print to digital to television to, uh, uh, to radio and podcast and you name it, uh, we, we've tested it. The, mm-hmm. the real trick is in figuring out which channels are going to work and then uh, focusing on them with obsession. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting advice. That's also, I believe, the the, the point uh, they make in a book called Traction. I don't remember the name of the author right now, but it's like there's just a certain amount of channels try a few out, and and then if you you figure out which one works best for you, then go all in on that one, and then uh, move on to the next. Um, so you've been around for a long time in the e-commerce, um, but what do you believe are the two to three keys to grow an e-commerce business in today's environment? Well, I think uh, in many ways, it's a lot easier to grow an e-commerce business in today's environment than it was when we started, uh, you know, 19 years ago, 19, 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a a lot has changed. So my advice today is different than it would have been even two or three years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's going to be hard to narrow it down to two or three uh, yours, but I'll give it it my best. Uh, From a technology perspective. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> from, a, from a technology perspective, mm-hmm. you absolutely have to be on the correct platform. So if you have a product that is selling uh, in a traditional dot-com landscape, meaning that you're not exclusively a marketplace seller on Amazon, eBay, or Etsy, or something like that, like, you need to be on the right platform. And I contend mm-hmm. that the right platform is absolutely Shopify. Uh, Shopify is doing a great job of de- democratizing uh, e-commerce. If, you've, if there are people listening and you're trying to figure out, like, how do I – I've got a thing that I want to sell and I don't know how to do it, like, just go get a Shopify store, and you can teach yourself in a matter of hours how to uh, launch a product. They've really made it simple for you. But on top of that, like, there's hundreds of thousands of stores on this platform. So – uh, if you're not, Amazon is setting the conventions and trends for mega commerce automators, but Shopify is setting the trends in the uh, the conventions for uh, for smaller e-com stores. So mm-hmm. even if you have if you don't know it, you've likely shopped on uh, on many e-commerce stores, and and because of that, and the way that they do business, like they are building conventions. You they are. They are training consumers to shop in a certain way, especially with the checkout experience, because the checkout experience across all Shopify stores is the same. So it's something mm. that you get accustomed to. So it really minimizes uh, abandonment. But because there's a hundred, hundreds of thousands of stores, like the consumers are learning how to interact with uh, the Shopify network. And on sure. top of that, they have a really strong network of app developers that are extending the capabilities uh, of their platform. So together with the app network and the platform itself, they are really going to uh, pave the way for what's next to come in e-commerce. They are going to set those conventions that you want to be able to take advantage of if you are an e-commerce store owner. 
So be on the best platform. Take advantage of the, the apps that are being built to, uh, that may help you connect with your, uh, your consumers better. Um, mm-hmm. So that would be advice number one. And I'm really jealous of stores that are starting today because 19 years ago, there was no such thing as a Shopify or a Magento or a WooCommerce or a BigCommerce. Like those things didn't exist. Uh, so we had to build our own platform. And because we're a custom product, even when these platforms started coming out, we weren't able to take advantage of them because we had too many custom needs that the platform couldn't extend to. Uh, now platforms like Shopify, and Shopify specifically, gives us the ability to extend the platform to meet our needs, which means that we no longer have the need to have an in-house team of seven or eight uh, software engineers. Mm-hmm. Now Shopify does that work for us. So really cool, uh, uh, really cool platform. Uh, you absolutely should take advantage of it. The, the second thing I would say is from a business perspective, and anybody doing e-commerce should really write this down because this is so simple and so basic yet so powerful, is that e-commerce can really be distilled down to a simple, uh, a, a simple equation. And that equation mm-hmm. is sessions times conversion rate times average order value equals revenue. And it mm-hmm. sounds so, so brainlessly simple, but so many people in the e-commerce space don't don't see or understand or even know or recognize that. Yeah. Uh, but when you do recognize that e-commerce is as simple as sessions, conversion rate, and average order value, that then helps you have relentless focus on those, uh, on those three main variables. So to break that down for the listeners a bit, you know, if, you're a, if you're a store doing 100,000 monthly visits and your conversion rate is 2% and your average order value is 50, well, then it's easy to calculate your revenue. Your revenue is going to be $100,000. But if you're able to focus on conversion rate and, and average order value, let's say those are the two of the three variables that uh, are easy enough for you to move in your business. Let's say you're able to move conversion rate from 2% to 3% and average order value from $50 to $55. Your monthly revenue just went from 100K to 165K, and that's a 65% increase. So mm-hmm. uh, I think uh, what a lot of e-commerce entrepreneurs end up getting stuck in is they get stuck in the rat race of trying to bring more people into the funnel. We've got to go out and we've got to find more sessions or more customers and uh, get more, more links to, to the site. And that can, be, that can be exhausting. But if you've already built a, uh, a business that is experiencing traffic, perhaps the best thing to focus on is conversion rate or, or average order value or maybe both. I mean, you're, I think uh, your agency spends a, uh, a fair amount of time working on conversion rates. So this is, right. this is something that I know you guys understand. <laughs> so many people yeah. forget it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and this, what you're telling right now is right up my alley. I, I mean, this is exactly what we preach on our side as well. And uh, this exact formula, and we actually add an, an, another um, another one to it, and that's uh, frequency, so purchase frequency. I mean, if you can keep uh, your existing uh, visitors coming back for more, uh, that's usually um, a very easy way to increase your revenue as well. Uh, but so many e-commerce entrepreneurs, they get stuck in that mindset of, of I need more visitors, I need more traffic, I need more sessions, and, and I'm going to try another channel to get more more sessions. And then they end up adding uh, more traffic, but it's not as relevant, not as, um, they're not as, they don't have the same buying intent, and, and they spend a lot of money on it, but it just doesn't work out because they keep forgetting about conversion rate and average order value. But the thing is, in, in my experience from 
talking with so many e-commerce entrepreneurs, the reason why that happens is they started out with traffic and, and, and they, traffic got them until a certain point and they, 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 they get blindsided somehow. They're like, oh, okay, it's traffic, traffic, traffic. I need more sessions because that's how I grew quickly. But uh, you're always going to plateau if you're only focusing on traffic and, and never uh, pull those other levers of, uh, yeah, to, to, to grow your revenue. So I'm really happy you bring up that point because that's uh, sometimes a little bit of a frustration on our end because we work a lot on everything except for the traffic. Like just really, you can call it conversion optimization. Uh, but for us, it's like working with the traffic that you already have. And that includes increasing average order value and increasing the frequency. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, I think, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it seems so simple, but so many people miss it. And I agree with you on the, mm-hmm. on the frequency side of things. So this is the, like, this is the number one equations uh, in, in my mind. Sessions, conversion rate, average order value, revenue. Uh, mm-hmm. Get that right. Get that dialed in. Make sure that somebody are, is focusing on those three metrics every day. And if you're not big enough to do it every day, make sure you're thinking about it uh, at least once a week. And if you're not big enough to be thinking about it once a week, then, uh, then you're, you're probably in startup mode and your hair's on fire and you don't have time to do anything. But mm-hmm. the moment you have time to focus on sessions, conversion rate, average order value, you must do it or, uh, or, or your business will, will struggle. Um, but on the back end of things, I, I absolutely agree. Frequency, uh, li- lifetime value, and referred revenue are two mm-hmm. other very important things. Like get the top one uh, right first, and then, then also be working really hard to make sure that you're developing a relationship with your customers, that they can come back and they can buy more from you in the future, and that they love you so much they want to share, uh, share with you with their sphere of influence. So that's the referred revenue piece. I'd, yeah. I'd say – you know, kind of moving on from that, uh, my third uh, my third key would be to love what you're selling. Love it mm-hmm. so much that you think that you would be doing the world a disservice if you didn't figure out how to make money off of the product that you're selling. Mm-hmm. So, and and I having for us that's pretty easy because we have this product that is making a positive impact in lives, and in some cases saving them, and in other cases giving folks the opportunity to say goodbye to a loved one. So that's really easy to get behind. Uh, but you you got to find the love and the product that you're doing. Otherwise, you know, when your business hits uh, uh, hard times, which every business eventually does, mm-hmm. when your business hits hard times, you're going to find it a lot easier to give up. Or when you're trying to start out and you're having trouble getting traction, you're going to find it a lot easier to give it uh, give up. But if you look at your at what you're selling from the perspective that the world needs it, and so it's your obligation to bring it to them and to sell it to them at a, at a place where you can make a profit, then, uh, then, then that perseverance uh, will naturally be there. My final piece of advice would be obsess about the customer. Obsess, obsess, obsess. Here at Road ID, our stated goal is to deliver a product, service, and journey, customer journey, so blindingly awesome that your customers can't help but share it. Mm-hmm. Uh, word of mouth has always been and will always be the most powerful growth lever that a business has. You mm-hmm. know, think about brands that have, uh, have seemingly exploded overnight just recently. I, I, I think about Allbirds Shoes or Third Love uh, and what they've done uh, in the bra space or Pure Vita and their, their bracelets. I mean, these, these brands seem to be everywhere all the time, and you seem to hear about them just as quickly as they launch. Well, do they have effective digital marketing campaigns? For sure. 
a network of influencers? Yeah, probably. Uh, but they are growing like crazy, not because their marketing is on point. They are growing like crazy because their customers love them. And when your mm-hmm. customers love you, they advocate for you, they promote for you, they evangelize for you. I, I like to call, refer to this as knife fight customer service because we've had, a, we've had an experience in the past where we got slammed. Our product and service got slammed in a pretty popular cycling forum. And uh, before we had the opportunity to reply, uh, uh, hundreds of our customers came to our defense and said, no, dude, you got this all wrong. Road ID is an amazing company. Um, you, uh, you've, you've got, you've got your information wrong. Just reach out to them and they'll, they'll take care of you. So, uh, we coined the phrase knife fight customer service after that, because we felt like we've done, we've done so well by our customers that they would show up to a knife fight for us if, uh, if they needed to. So, you know, especially in this era where you've got, uh, giant automators like, uh, like Amazon who compete mm-hmm. on convenience, like you can't compete on convenience. You can, you're not going to beat Amazon with convenience. Uh, if you try, you're going to lose. So you've got to you've got to connect with your customers on, on a more emotional level. That's your that's your story. That's why you exist. That's the length that you go to serve them and make sure that they're happy. And if you get that product, service, and journey uh, dialed in and on point and something that's remarkable. And I don't mean when I say remarkable, I just don't mean that it's remark uh, that it's great. I mean that it's remark worthy. Like somebody is willing to share and talk about you. When you get that right. Your customers will grow your your brand for you. Awesome! I absolutely love that advice. Uh, so do, here we, we have four key uh, keys to grow your e-commerce. Any any fifth one, or those are the four? <laughs> I can I can the uh, uh, in the essence of time here. We'll probably keep it uh, at four. But um, yeah. if we had more time, I, I, I would go on. But I, I think those yeah. are 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 four good ones that. As people running responsible businesses, we we need to focus on. We need uh, we need to get the technology right. We need to understand that uh, our metrics and how to achieve profitable success. We need to love what we're selling, and we need to really obsess about the customer experience. Yeah, and that sums it up very nicely. Um, so you obsess about the customer experience. Um, and can you give any examples of, of what you exactly do? So I think uh, there's there's a lot of things that go into nailing the customer experience, and one of them is is as uh, is as simple and as difficult as making sure that in your e-commerce journey that any question the customer has is answered for them as they explore your product. So mm-hmm. if you're selling T-shirts and you're like, a question that somebody is going to have is like, I wonder how this is going to fit my body type. Like everywhere in your experience where a question where you could see a question mark hovering over a customer's head, that's where you need to provide an answer. You need to provide mm-hmm. the answer in the, in, in the descriptions or in videos or in product photos in, in tool tips next to your, uh, next to the, the sizing variant selection. You need to answer all the questions. The, the second thing uh, that I would maintain is that you need to be reachable. Like your, your phone number uh, needs to be very easy. Your customer service uh, email address needs to be very easy to find. Your even your physical address. Like people need to know that you're that you're real and you're grounded somewhere in uh, in in the world. Uh, live chat, like all these things that make it easy for people to get a hold of you, uh, need to be front and center and exposed to them, not just in your web experience but also 
in your emails. And, and speaking of emails, like don't send your emails from uh, customer service at or no reply at. Like send them from a person. All the emails that Road ID go out from Edward at RoadID.com, and that's for two reasons. Uh, one is that we believe that consumers do not want to buy from businesses. They want to buy from people. So at every touch point, we, uh, we try to act like people and not like a company. So mm-hmm. emails come from Edward at, that connects them back to a person at this company and not a, uh, and, and not a team. It connects them to a per, uh, person, but it also encourages them to reply. And in some emails, we actually will reinforce that because we've all been trained by every brand in the world that we should not reply to transactional messages because they're going to end up in this, uh, this abyss of digital communication. But we mm-hmm. encourage people to reply. Uh, but you have to close that loop. You actually have to be on the other end answering, answering those emails in, uh, in, a, in a timely fashion. So acting like people, I can't understate the, the importance of that in really getting the customer experience right. Um, and you know, just one additional way that, that we do this is when we ship you your package, inside the package we have this thing called a fulfillment business card. And uh, the, the fulfillment business card is a – uh, a postcard size mailer uh, or postcards, so a postcard size uh, piece of printed material that tells you a bit about the person that packed your order. So mm-hmm. um, I just reached over on my desk and I happen to have one handy. Uh, Nanette is a, uh, is a, uh, uh, works on our fulfillment team. So you learn about Nanette, you learn where she was raised, her, the pets that she has at home, her first concert, which was Journey, her favorite color, which is green, uh, Celebrity Crush, she's had crushes on both Mark Wahlberg and Katy Perry, uh, her mm-hmm. guilty pleasures, chocolate-covered pretzels, and a few, uh, a few additional bits of detail. And then on the back is a little handwritten note uh, from Nanette that says, uh, I, I hope your new gear empowers you to do more of what you love. I've been here for a couple years now and love the people and product. I hope you enjoy your new road ID, Nanette. Um, so the, the bulk of that message is, is, is pre-printed, so Nanette doesn't have to write a custom letter every time that she sends out a package. But the point is, is that we are connecting, uh, uh, we're connecting a shipment back to a person, mm-hmm. and that is vitally important. So if you think about uh, your recent e-commerce experiences and getting packages to, uh, to sh- uh, show up at your front door, like there's that hit of dopamine that uh, that's there. Like, oh, that thing I ordered is finally here, and like you tear open, you tear open the uh, the box. But not for a minute have you given any consideration to the person that put those items in that box for you, that put the mm-hmm. label on the box, that took time out of their day to tape that box up up for you, so that you could be uh, happy when it shows up at your front porch. So we take that opportunity to say, no, there there is somebody at Road ID. Her name is Annette. They put this together for you uh, and tried to do it with the, uh, with the utmost level of care so that you got exactly what you ordered when you, uh, when you wanted it. So at every touch point, whether it be in the copy that you write on your, on your website or how you send out your emails or how you deliver your packages or how you frame up your, your marketing message, a brand should always be acting like people because that's who customers want to buy from. Wow, that's a uh, very powerful advice. Uh, I love that. Yeah, um, yeah. We're, I see we're almost running out of time, uh, but maybe before we go, uh, one question I really love to ask is: What's the biggest mistake you made 
biggest mistake, um, we've made lots of them. Uh, mm-hmm. We had uh, one of the biggest financial mistakes that we made is we invested about a half a million dollars into a, an expo experience. So what we tried to do is minify everything we do at, a, at HQ and put it into a 30-foot trailer and show up at running and cycling events so that we could sell our product on site. And uh, we spent a lot of effort. Uh, this was back in the day when all of our all of our technical platform was custom. So we had custom built our uh, a an ordering process that people could do on on touchscreen monitors uh, that would send the order inside the trailer. It would get laser engraved within minutes, and we'd be handing a finished product out of the the window to them. So mm-hmm. it it just didn't work. It just financially didn't work. We it was very expensive to move from event to event. Uh, it took nine or ten people to staff the the thing, uh, so we could have we could be out of pocket twenty thirty thousand dollars just to show up to an event. Oh. So you have to sell a lot of twenty dollar product in order to make that work. And I think if we were smart enough, if I look back and say what was the big mistake here, is that we just we just did it all on gut, which is how we like to move as entrepreneurs. We just said this mm-hmm. thing is going to work. Uh, damn the torpedoes, we're going to figure it out. And had we done some simple uh, financial calculations ahead of time, we would have said, you know what? Like, it can't be this big. It can't, it can't be 20 feet by 30 feet in an expo environment. It can't take nine people. Like, how do we make it smaller and more nimble uh, to make it work? So financially, one of our biggest mistakes, uh, but one of the things it did do on the positive side of things that I think all e-commerce brands need to figure out a way to do is to get in front of our customers. Like we, for the first time, were able to stand face-to-face and shake hands with and talk to and understand what made our customers tick. Being in front of them in an expo environment gave us the opportunity to see how they put our product on their wrist, uh, how, it made, how it made them feel. We, we learned uh, things about our online shopping experience that we didn't know because we were able to watch them go through the process of ordering an ID. We learned things about our, the way our, our wristbands fit on certain people's wrists that we didn't understand. Uh, so while, while financially it was a disaster, it helped us, it reinforced perhaps for the first time ever that we really need to get out in front of our customers. We need to meet them face-to-face. We need to talk to them on a regular basis. So perhaps that's another lesson for the uh, e-commerce folks that are listening to this, that if you are strictly digital commerce and you don't currently have a way to interact with your customers, that you need to find a way to do that. That's a, a great piece of advice to to wrap this uh, episode up. Um, hey, uh, Edward, it's, this has been uh, super awesome. I mean, uh, super interesting stuff, uh, very hands-on, and you can just tell that you have those 20 years of experience. Uh, we could probably go on for a, a couple more hours, uh, but yeah, we're running out of time. And uh, before we go, I just want to make sure that people know how they can find you, how they can find Road ID. Uh, order a product, of course, um, where they can uh, learn more about you. What, what's the best place for people uh, to connect with you? Yeah, uh, Road ID is at roadid.com. That's R-O-A-D-I-D.com. Uh, we are also at Road ID and on all the relevant uh, social platforms. Uh, you can hit me up uh, on Instagram. Uh, I am at Edward Wimmer 4. The 4 is because I'm the 4th. So that's uh, Edward Wimmer 4 on Instagram. Um, I think that's uh, that's it. 
Okay, perfect. Thank you so much for being here, Edward. Um, it's been uh, super. Thanks. I appreciate the time. Uh, thanks for uh, thanks for bringing me on the show. The e-commerce excellence podcast is sponsored by Dexter Agency. We help e-commerce business owners scientifically increase revenue without needing more traffic. Ready to discover a more reliable way to increase conversion and, more importantly, revenue? Register for our free training, The 5 Transformations That Double E-Commerce Profits, at dexter.agency webinar.